Each year, I experience a moment when the commercialism, the frenzy, and the frustration of Advent and the Christmas season that has gotten me worn down suddenly take a different turn. And my heart feels strangely warm, to borrow a phrase from the Anglican clergyman John Wesley. This year, that moment came as I was coping with some tragic news of a couple of friends and their family. I was caught in traffic, in pouring rain, with a long to-do list, and a bit of after-Christmas letdown. Suddenly, on the horizon, the rain clouds parted to reveal a band of golden light, and the few clouds remaining lit up a brilliant white. The sight reminded me of God's presence, and suddenly my frustration, my anger at the traffic and everything else that was bothering me was put into a wider perspective. And that our world, with all its frustrations, is set in the context of a divine eternity. For a moment, I felt part of both at once. And that moment also reminded me of the importance of faith in my life. Over this past four weeks of Advent and into Christmas, I've been haunted by the question of what would life be like for me if I did not believe in anything religious or I had no interest in spirituality. Perhaps we all have relatives, friends, or colleagues who have lived very happy and productive lives without the slightest interest in matters of religion or spirit. I do. And I also have come to realize that that question is very personal and contextual. There are times as a young adult when my shadow was seldom, if ever, seen inside a church. For me, it was a matter of not now, not just yet, I'm too busy, I have things I need to do. It, for me also, it was never a matter of, I have no interest, I just don't go there. And so the question really has more to do about where we are personally, not only in our lives, but also our own unique personal circumstances. Recently, I came upon a study that looked at the growing trend of religious nuns, which is growing uh, right now to about one in four Americans. Uh, and they claim to have no religion. It's a large group. Uh, a large number of them uh, claim to be spiritual, but not religious but there's slightly over half of that claim to have no religion or any spirituality. The responses they gave as to why not were predictable. They question religious teachings. They don't like positions that religious organizations take on social or political issues. 
They don't believe in God. They consider religion irrelevant to their lives. And this is a bit humbling. They dislike religious leaders. Although some religious nuns, so to speak, do identify uh, as spiritual and claim to have a strong spiritual life, uh, there are others uh, who claim to have neither and no interest in either. I've tried to imagine my life without God. For me, it would be quite easy to become cynical, self-centered, and melancholy, but that is just me. The grief and cruelty of life events, for me, could be unbearable. And if I had lost everything, such as many of those in the Paradise Fires and the, the other fires that have spread throughout California and elsewhere, in floods, in tornadoes, the burden of rebuilding a life could be shattering. Others, however, may see it differently. Our readings this morning are filled with poetic images of what God offers through a life of faith. Our collect is perhaps the most powerful summary of these that I have ever seen. The incarnate word means the presence of God in human flesh dwelling among us. The new light in wisdom tradition represents enlightenment, a new understanding of God's purpose in history and intimately in our own lives. This enlightenment is intended for our hearts to enkindle them with divine compassion and love uh, for one another. It isn't meant to be intellectual alone, but it is to be lived out with every heartbeat shining forth throughout our lives. The passage from Isaiah offers a poetry of gratitude, expressing joy from the inside out in God. Few of us have experience that kind of sustained joy of gratitude to God to the point where we can write poetry or music or art or another form. Some have. But when our heart is touched, or in John Wesley's words, strangely warmed, we know it with our hearts that in the end, all will be well, even if right now they are not well. This poetry also unites the physical world with God's salvation. Salvation in the Hebrew scriptures had a very different meaning than the, the kind that we tend to think of as more personal. In Hebrews times in the scriptures, it had a collective meaning, a, an enlarging, a broadening, a creating space in the community. God's saving grace and forgiveness restores the community 
into right relationship, spaciousness, prosperity, and well-being. The goal of salvation, then, was to institute God's reign of goodness, peace, and justice among the Israelites and also among all people and all nations of the world. In the New Testament, salvation becomes very personal, bringing forth an intimate relationship and reconciliation with God. We hear this in the gospel, in that to all who would receive him, he gave power to become children of God. In Galatians, Paul echoes this, is that it is our faith, our willingness to listen, to believe, by which we are accepted and become part of this intimate family. It isn't through law. And Paul was struggling not only with matters of his own faith uh, as a Jew, but also of what Christ meant and what Christ brought to the tradition in that Christianity could not be allowed to become a law-based movement. To do so could end up violating the very inclusivity and universality of Jesus' teachings and his actions. So what does a life of faith offer us today? Although it's possible to construct faith in a way that justifies bigotry and injustice, and we have seen much of that, such faith does not lead to divine salvation and reconciliation. Rather, it denies God's compassionate love and justice that are offered for all, especially to those who are the victims of bigotry, violence, and inequity. The famous American minister and scholar Henry Sloan Coffin once wrote about a Chinese official who had spoken of reading books on various religious teachers and who asked the question, what does Jesus offer that the others seem to lack. The official paused and then answered his own question, saying, Jesus seems to possess the capacity to create a more delicate conscience. To be agents of transformation in the world through the spread of compassionate love, just relationships and peace, a more delicate conscience is a tremendous gift. It also, for some of us, can be a necessity. Coffin also noticed that the journalist Walter Lippmann had written after World War II that, quote, it is no accident that the only open challenge to the totalitarian state has come from those of deep religious faith, end quote. Today, challenges to hate crimes and injustices that threaten to destabilize our society and a peaceable world 
come from all kinds of voices, religious and non-religious. However, there's a special sense of authority when Christian and Muslim voices publicly stand against the kind of hate that motivated the slaughter of 11 Jews at the Tree of Life Sabbath service last October. Or as Jews and Christians have stood in solidarity with Muslims when hate crimes have turned their way. Faith in God's goodness and care for all creation mean that we stand for the right to live together peaceably while respecting a fundamental right to hold differences, even where we disagree strongly. This is foundational to universal salvation. What has a life of faith meant for me? For me, my faith has pushed me to do things that perhaps I rather might do, and I, perhaps I might want to leave to someone else to do. It also has helped me work with others who hold very strong differences of belief and who come from very different life circumstances. Not long ago, I attended a hearing on behalf of an undocumented woman who had been picked up by ICE as she dropped off her 10-year-old at an elementary school near home. She had spent several months in a detention facility. <clears throat> that morning, in the hearing room, were her brother, her 10-year-old daughter, and another relative who felt safe enough to come to the courthouse that morning. They were joined by about a dozen strangers, a rabbi, a student visiting from France, a Unitarian Universalist minister, two Episcopal clergy, a UCC minister, and a few lay members of various congregations of different denominations. The family was overwhelmed that strangers would come to be with them at the hearing. As the lawyers presented their sides of the case, the judge looked at all the faces in that tiny courtroom. I had been told that our presence could make a difference in some cases. It certainly made a difference for that family. And the woman later would be granted release and ultimately asylum. But for me, it was an opportunity to feel connected in a way that I wouldn't have imagined to other people's lives and circumstances that I haven't had the challenges of experiencing. And for that, I shall always be grateful. Without faith, Despair can easily overtake us in difficult or tragic times. We may wonder what is the point or that life has no meaning. Our faith doesn't save us from tragedy, but it does help us cope with it. Yet even with faith, sometimes God may feel remote or absent from our lives. In the aftermath of the Holocaust, a theology sprang up. 
that put less emphasis on God's preventing trial or tribulation and more emphasis on God who is with us in the midst of it all, from whom we can call upon to gain strength to persevere one hour, one day at a time. God reminds us <coughs> of this in something as small as the temporary parting of rain clouds and a thin golden beam of light. My deepening faith has helped me discover that I want to dedicate my life to be an agent of God's love and compassion wherever life takes me. In the coming year, what might deepening faith mean for you? Amen. <clears throat>